0: You ready for Honey from the Rock? Man, wasn't that good? That's powerful. All of it so far was just powerful. You know, there's that old hymn. I guess it's a hymn. Maybe it's a Herm. I don't know. But <laughs> Frederick Graves had written a song a long time ago. It was called Honey from the Rock or Honey in the Rock. And it goes something like this, it says, "Oh, my brother, do you know that the Savior, who is wondrous, kind, and true? He's the rock of your salvation. There's honey in the rock for you. And then the refrain goes this way, he says, "Oh, there's honey in the rock, my brother. There's honey in the rock for you. Leave your sins for the blood to cover. There's honey in the rock for you. Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? Do you walk in the way that's new? Have you drunk from the living fountain? There's honey in the rock for you. Do you pray unto God the Father? What wilt thou have me do? Never fear, he will surely answer There's honey in the rock for you. Then go out through the streets and byways, preach the word to the many or few. Say to every fallen brother, There's honey in the rock. For you. Good news. That's what we're to do, is give them the good news. And um, so, a wonderful song. And I don't, how many know that song? Does anyone know it? One, two, three, four, five, six? Yeah, yeah, I could. But it's not time for people to leave yet. (laughs) Open your Bible with me to the Gospel of Luke the book that Dr. Luke wrote. And we're going to go to chapter 5. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we have been on a subject, this is part 3 of the sermon series called Healing is the Will of God. And last the last two weeks we looked at different reasons that healing is the will of God for everybody. And so we're going to continue that and look at a number more reasons. I don't know how many reasons we're going to get to. It might be 30, it might be 50. There's going to be a lot of scriptural reason that we're going to examine that this is how we know it is God's will to heal everybody always. So in Luke chapter 5, and, and i just add this in there too. There are some questions that people have. Say, well, what about this? What about that? What about this case? And we're going to look at those. We're going to answer the hard questions. We're going to talk about Paul's thorn in his flesh. We're going to talk about Job. We're going we're to cover a lot of issues, all right? Why do good people suffer? And we'll go through those things step by step. Not tonight, but you know, as we get to them, we will cover them. So in Luke chapter 5, let's begin reading in verse 12. It says, while he, speaking of Jesus... While he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had a serious skin disease all over him. Some translations say he was covered in it. He saw Jesus, fell face down and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, he touched him saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the disease left him. So here we see a man that has, he's sick. He's very sick, right? Covered in leprosy. Not just a little bit, but a lot. And this guy here is desperate, I suppose. I mean, he's desperate enough to break all their social distancing laws. He could get stoned for this, you understand. This is a big deal. And he was not allowed to be where he was, and yet he approaches them and you know what Jesus' response was. Well, this guy's question was the same question that millions, and and I don't think millions is an exaggeration, but millions of Christians have the same question today in the world. You know, they know God is able, they're just not sure He wants to heal them. They know that God has the ability, after all, He created the earth, He parted the Red Sea, He caused manna to come down, He's caused lame people to walk in the Bible. They know He's able, they're just not sure that God loves them enough, or is good enough, or let's say it a different way, that it's His will for them to be healed. This guy here, he he was pretty bad off, wasn't he? Leprosy that covers you means your days are numbered. Like you're on borrowed time now. Because digits and nose and ears and things are going to start falling off. And this disease progresses until he would die. So, so he's in a bad way. There is no known cure for his disease. You can't just go to the doctor and take you know something and get better. He is, has an incurable disease. There's nothing that, that, that man can do. Is something like that too hard for the Lord? No. No. You know, sickness is a thief. Did you know that? It's a major thief. It robs it robs people of their spouses. It robs children of their mothers and fathers, of their siblings. Sickness it robs you of your focus and your energy. You know, you gotta focus on this over here instead of on doing something that would actually be profitable. It, it robs you of your time. you're often at the doctor waiting in the waiting room, you're off traveling to the doctor instead of doing something that'd be profitable and that, well, it steals your money too, doesn't it? I mean, all of that's expensive, and so sickness is is a thief, yet many people believe that sickness is the work of God that somehow in his all-knowing sovereignty that He knows this is either for my or somebody else's benefit, right? I mean, have you ever heard that? Am I the only one? You know, just on the way to the service tonight, I heard that from somebody or my wife heard it from somebody on the telephone and somebody's in a real bad accident and they're, they're lying in a coma and doctors say there's no hope and. People are going, well, maybe this is what it takes for the Lord to reach those that were around this individual. And you know, Jesus already died and He suffered. That's right. If His death and suffering was not enough to reach them, you're trying to say you can do something He couldn't? No. No. So, oh, but you know, God works in mysterious ways. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. People will quote the scripture, well, all things work together for the good of them that love God. Is that true? Yeah, I have a few brave people willing to say yes. Is it true? Yeah. All things work together for the good of them that love God. It doesn't say God is the one doing all things. He is a master of taking what the devil meant for harm and turning it on its head and causing blessing to come from it instead. I mean, Job is the perfect example of this. People will say, what about Job? Well, what about him? Have you considered his end? Twice as blessed as he was in the beginning. That's the God we serve. And so, is it a blessing in disguise? No, it's a curse that the Lord is able to turn and cause blessing to come from. Absolutely. Always believe for that. You know, I said this the last couple of weeks and I'll just keep saying it. You know, if you are not here, um, I'm not talking about what I'm saying now, what I'm going to say soon. Um, if you are not here with us the last two weeks, I would encourage you to go back on the website and listen to it because that builds to where we're at now. And we are going to look at reason after reason after reason after reason of why we believe that it is God's will to always heal everyone. And we're going to find those reasons in Scripture right? In order for an idea to be scriptural, in order for theology to be scriptural, what do you need? You need scripture. And so that's where we're going to build this out of and we're going to look at cases and what the Word has to say. And so tonight I would like to go through um, four reasons, four more reasons. We covered two last week. Reasons that we believe scripturally that it's the will of God to heal everyone. And so depending on our time, maybe We'll see where we get. Okay, Maybe we'll get through all four of them. <clears throat> this is what I was going to say a moment ago if, that I have said last week and said the week before, and I'll probably continue to say it because it just makes the point so well. If sickness is the will of God for you, then why do you go to the doctor and try to get out of the will of God? Why do you take a Tylenol? If that headache is to teach you patience, how come you take a Tylenol to try to get around the lesson of patience? Now, I'm not against medication and doctors. They're on the same side as the Lord. They want you better. I didn't say pharmacy industry. I said the doctors and and the nurses. Right? They want you better. And so we're, we're fighting on the same side. One is a natural side. The other is a spiritual side. And true healing, true prosperity comes from the inside out. Because your born-again spirit is your contact with the Lord. And that's where the Lord's going to get things inside of you and out from that place. So, <clears throat> if, if sickness is the will of God, then instead of trying to get out of it by going to the doctor, a person should just yield to it, right? Fully. And like, get really sick. And, and believe for more of God's blessings in disguise. And not try to get out of them. But we know that's silly. You could say the same thing for, for poverty, People will say, well, they think that it's the Lord's will for them to be poor. Well, then why are you having a job and trying to get out of being poor? Why not just go ahead and yield fully to poverty and just like be the poorest person you know? Stop trying to get out of His will if He wants you poor. But we know that's silly. That's not what He wants. And poverty and sickness are not the will of God for anybody. They don't please God. If poverty pleased God, if sickness pleased God, then what ought we to have and do? To please Him more, right? So we have to look at these things with an honest mind and an honest thought process from Scripture and say, well, okay, then maybe the things I've been taught and the things I've been told haven't been exactly correct. Maybe allow Scripture to reshape your belief, okay? So, we talked in the very first sermon about how to find the will of God. And you can find that in that first sermon. And then last week, we covered two reasons that we believe it is healing is always the will of God. And reason number one was because the Word of God is medicine. The word of God is medicine. In fact, that you can find that reference in Proverbs twenty, Proverbs four, verses twenty through twenty-two, and he talks about how the word of God, you know, keep it before your eyes, keep it in your heart, keep it in your mouth, and then he says this: he says, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So it's medicine to you. The word of God is medicine to you. If the word of God is medicine to you then how could saying that God's will is for some people to be sick would be saying that His Word is not for everybody? Saying that healing... Let me say it a different way. Saying that healing is not for everybody is saying the Word of God is not for everyone. But we know that the Word of God is medicine. And if you'll take enough of it long enough and fill yourself full of enough of it, it will come from the inside out and you will have that healing. You know... In, in Psalms, it says that He sent His Word and made them sicker? Taught them lessons? No, He sent His Word and healed them. He sent His Word and healed them. So why would God's Word be health to your flesh if it wasn't His will to have you be healed? So that's the reason number one we believe that it's always God's will to heal everyone. Reason number two last week we looked at is... Because we believe it, because a strong spirit will sustain you in sickness and in pain, and that is found in Proverbs 18, verse 14. In the uh, I'll read in the New King James to you, it says, "The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit?" The spirit of a man, a strong spirit. One translation says, "A strong spirit will sustain you in sickness." Well. Is it God's will that anyone have a weak spirit? No. So then if a strong spirit will sustain you in sickness, we know that it's God's will for us to have a strong spirit. We looked at a whole bunch of Scriptures on this. And if it's His will for us to be a strong spirit, and the result of a strong spirit is overcoming sickness, then sickness cannot be the will of God. And we answered the question, how do we develop a strong spirit? Well, by eating and by exercise. Eating and exercise. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. That's eating, your spirit man, eating the word of God. And that makes you strong. It feeds your spirit, spiritual food for a spirit being. And then you exercise in his words by speaking it praise and worship, praying in tongues, praying in English, or whatever language you speak, right? But you speaking the word to your situation. That's you exercising in it in that strong spirit. And then last week we exercised, didn't we? Those of you that were here, we had scripture after scripture on the screen that we read and, and, and read together. and by the time we were done, man, we were charged up, weren't we? Full of strength, full of life. The word is medicine, and it'll make you strong. So reason number three, why we believe that healing is always the will of God for everyone. Is because of God's original creation. God's original creation. What was his original creation? I'm glad you asked. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 and look at it. And in Genesis chapter 1, how it was in the beginning. This is God's original plan. And do you think that God created things how he wanted them? Yeah, he made it how he wanted it to be, right? So, in, In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, it said, God said, let there be light, and kabam, there was light. Isn't that amazing? God saw that the light was good. Someone say, "Light light was good. God saw that the light was bad? Nope, good. God saw that it was good. And so he divides it from the day and the night, and let's jump down to verse 4. I'm sorry, ten. God called the dry land earth. Now He separated the water and the ground. He called the gathering of the water seas. And God saw that it was good. Not bad, good. He saw it was good. Let's look at verse 18. Well, this was... uh, Now He had divided the... uh, the light and the dark and he's putting the stars in the sky to dominate the day and the night and to separate light from darkness and God saw that it was good. Verse 21, so God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the waters according to their kinds. He also created every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good. How about verse 25? So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. There's a lot of good going on here in His original design, isn't there? And when God says something is good, it's got to be pretty good, right? Like, I mean, just perfect good. So let's look here in verse 25 26. Then God said... Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and they will have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the livestock. All the earth. And the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in His own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And so God blessed them and said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion, and He goes down and gives them all their instructions. If you look down into verse 31, God saw that all He had made in it was very good. Not just good this time, but after He made something that looked and acted like Him, it's like, man, this is really good. This is like extremely good. Very good. Very good. So no badness at all in this. So as we looked over that, which day did God create sickness and disease? On which day did God make tumors and cancers and diabetes and arthritis and, and inflammation and AIDS and you know heart problems and liver problems? On which day did He do all that? He didn't. His original design was completely void of any of those things. So He said it was good. If sickness would be good and would be the Lord being good to us, then surely it would have been in His original design and creation. And He would have just built Adam and Eve with sickness built right in. Right? Form Adam, put a tumor on his leg right here. But no, God is good, and He said it was very good. It wasn't present in His original design because it's bad. Because it's bad. Because it's not good. Deformities, they they didn't have any deformities, did they? No disease, perfect bodies. Great point, great point. He said, we're created in the image of God, and so if God would have to have sickness in His own body, in order for them to have it. Very true. You know, Adam and Eve, they were brilliant, they were intelligent, they're made in His image, in His likeness. I mean, they are sharp, as sharp as they come. I believe their intelligence probably ranked just way beyond where we are today, and they they would walk and talk with God. Imagine how much you'd grow if you had that opportunity, right? To go walk around in the garden with Him. Well, as smart and as brilliant as they were, if you would have walked up to them and said, "Man, I got a headache," they would have said, "You have what? A a headache? My head hurts. What is hurts?" What what is a headache? They would have had absolutely nothing to compare it to. No frame of reference for this pain and this suffering and this sickness and disease in God's original design. Nothing that comes along later is an improvement on what God had planned. Nothing is an improvement on what God has planned. In fact, death is the enemy of Christ. Isn't that what 1 Corinthians 15 tells us? That death is the enemy... Of Christ. And yet, I've heard preacher after preacher in funerals say, oh man, sweet death took this guy. Really? Yeah. Hateful, evil death. And we don't need to be afraid to die, because we are going to get upgraded a whole lot when that happens. You're going to level up way beyond where we are now. That's for our young people that are gamers in here. You're going to level up. You know, God hates... Death, because it's Christ's enemy. He hates sickness. Sickness is just a form of death that has not fully manifest itself yet. Sickness is a weaker version of death, if you will. And in God's original creation, nothing died. Not a flower. Nothing died. Imagine that. Pick a flower, another one just grows there. No death in His original creation. And, um, you know, there was a curse that came, and that curse was judgment. And judgment is not what God wants. It's not the will of God for you to be judged, or anyone to be judged. It's not His will that anyone perish, is what Scripture tells us. And perishing is judgment. You going to hell, you're experiencing a judgment that lasts forever, and... He's clear in multiple scriptures we've looked at that it's not that His will anyone should perish. Are you with me? Alright. So uh, let's go look at Ezekiel chapter 18. And let's look at judgment for a little bit. What about judgment? <clears throat> I mean, if, if God pronounces judgment on someone, isn't that Him changing His will and now wanting to do that to them? No. No. People choose for themselves. The choice is clear for us, life or death, and you can choose whichever you want, and the Lord will allow you to go to hell, but it's not Him doing it to you, it's you doing it to you. Here in chapter 18 of Ezekiel, in verse 23, we'll begin reading. He says, do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? This is the Lord speaking. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Instead, don't I take pleasure when He turns from His ways and lives? So what does the Lord take pleasure in? Repentance and living. Not dying. Dying isn't what pleases Him. No, repentance and living is what pleases Him. That's His will. Let's keep reading. Verse 24, But when a righteous person turns from his righteousness and practices iniquity, committing the same abominations that the wicked do, will he live? None of the righteous acts he did will be remembered. He will die because of the treachery he is engaged in and the sin he has committed. But you say, the Lord's way isn't fair. Now, listen, house of Israel. Is it my way that is unfair? Instead, isn't it your ways that are unfair? When a righteous person turns from his righteousness and practices iniquity, he will die for this. He will die because of the iniquity he has practiced. But if a wicked person turns from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he will preserve his life. He will certainly live because he thought it over and turned from all his transgressions he had committed. He will not die. But the house of Israel says the Lord's way isn't fair. Is it my ways that are unfair, house of Israel? Instead, isn't it your ways that are unfair? Therefore, house of Israel, I will judge each one of you according to his ways. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Repent. Turn from all your transgressions, so they will not be a stumbling block that causes you punishment. What causes punishment? The stumbling block. The transgression. Becomes a stumbling block and causes punishment. Not God causing the punishment. Let's go on, keep reading. Verse 31. Throw off all the transgressions, the sins, the iniquities, right? You have committed and make yourself a new heart and a new spirit. Why should you die, house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in anyone's death. This is the declaration of the Lord God. So repent and live. Living. I said living, not dying. Is the will of God. Living is the will of God. And so if anyone goes, well, I, you know, I don't know. Is it the Lord? Is it not? No, living is the will of God. And He's telling them, choose life. Choose life. God, so sick, we, we recognize that sickness comes from evil, and it is evil, and it's a thief. Didn't Jesus say the enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy? Yeah, that's what sickness does. God created man in His original creation without sickness in, in the beginning. That's how He wanted it to be. And we know that Scripture says He doesn't change. But that's how He wanted it in the beginning. What makes us think He somehow changed and wants something different now? God only created good and sin brought all the other junk. God only created good, and Adam and Eve's sin brought everything else with it. We need to be on guard that we don't call something that is good evil and something that's evil good. In Isaiah, it talks about that. In Isaiah uh, chapter 5, it says Woe to those who are called evil, those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So don't call sickness or death good. So that's reason number three. Is because of God's original creation. That's why we believe that God's will is for everyone to be in health. Reason number four. Why we believe healing is always the will of God for everyone. Is because of heaven and the new creation that is to come. Heaven and there's going to be a new earth. New heaven and a new earth is what Scripture tells us. And so go with me over to Revelations. You know, in, in chapter 21 is where we're going to read Revelation 21. So we were in the beginning of the book, now we're at the end of the book. We see His will in the beginning, and now we're going to see what His will is at the end. And you're going to see it didn't change at all. Still the same. Just like His word when He says, I am the same today, yesterday, and forever. I change not, He said in Malachi. Malachi. So look here in Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven. Someone say new. new. And a new earth. Say new earth. new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had had a lot of global warming. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, the, I read that wrong. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea existed no longer. Now, it's not going to be global warming. It's going to be global melting. In Hebrews, it talks about that. There's going to be fervent heat. And man, things are going to melt. So it's going to get warm. Verse 2, I also saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with men. And He will live with them. They will be His people. And God Himself will be with them and be their God. How awesome is that? God Himself is going to be with us. I mean, at the great white judgment, we're all going to be there. Nobody in this room is going to to miss that event. We're all going to be in that crowd. I'll mean, i be able to look over there in the the crowd and see, Hey, Caster, hey, sure good to be over here on this side, isn't it? Everyone's going to be there. This is in our future. What's coming? I mean, our very near future. Right? So we're all going to get to experience this. He goes on in verse 4, and God's going to be with us. With us. Isn't that awesome? Verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer. Because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. So tears, pain, grief. What were the other things? Death? I mean, sicknesses are all a form of death. All those things are going to be completely gone. I'm making everything new. I'm going back with our original plan. And it's going to be good and very good. No more sickness. So here is the will of God in the beginning and in the end. You know, if sickness pleased God, man, people in heaven would be a whole lot sicker than they are here, right? If that was somehow pleasing to Him, does God have two different wills? One for heaven and one for earth. Go with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. No, God doesn't have two different wills. We're going to see that. Matthew chapter 6. Did I say 5? I meant 6. And um, let's look in verse 9. Therefore you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, Your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So look at that. Our Father in heaven. Then he He goes, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. Is there sickness in heaven? Is there poverty in heaven? Is there grief and sorrow and pain in heaven? No, so we're supposed to pray that His will... See, heaven is under His domain. And everything's happening the way He wants it to there. So we're supposed to pray that His will, like it's happening there, would happen here, on the earth. And since we can't find sickness there, we can clearly say, well, then sickness is not the will of God. Here on the earth. If we're supposed to pray that earth be like heaven, His will happen here like it does there. He doesn't have two different wills. One for earth and one for heaven. In fact, apparently His will doesn't automatically happen. Else He wouldn't tell them pray that it will. He's not just giving them something to do. You guys look bored. Pray this. won't help anything, but... At least it will fill your time. <laughs> no. He's saying pray it because it will make a difference. God's will doesn't automatically come to pass. The, the like, most black and white litmus test of this is people go to hell. And it's not His will that any perish. He doesn't want anyone to go there. So his, we know His will doesn't just come to pass. And sickness and death was never, we can see it in the beginning, we can see it in the end, was never God's will. It wasn't His will then. It's not His will in this middle part either. In between the beginning and the end. Because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Reason number five. Why we believe healing is always the will of God for everyone is because of the Origin of sickness. The origin, I almost said the origin of sin. Now the origin of sickness. Where did sickness come from? And how did it arrive in this perfect creation that God had made? Let's go to Romans chapter 5. And we're going to answer that. The origin of sickness was not God. We clearly saw that. Let's look in chapter 5 and verse 12 of Romans. It says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. So sin was what brought death. And sickness is a part of death. So sin is what brought sickness. Through one man. We know that one man was Adam. So sickness came because of sin. In this way, death, spread to all men because all sinned. It's contagious, dying is. One, one guy goes, nobody's getting out of this world alive. It's true. <laughs> Spiritually you can be alive though, right? Death through sin in this way spread to all men because all sinned. So we can't point the finger at Adam and say, well, you scoundrel, you. Because you and I have sinned too so that was enough to do it as well and so sickness and sin uh, sickness and death and pain and suffering comes because of sin that doesn't mean that because you experience the flu or some other sickness that oh i must have sinned somewhere it could be you should examine yourself but that's not necessarily why it came jesus said you're going to have problems but be of good cheer i've overcome those problems So we're going to fight him. Let's look down in verse 14. It says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is the prototype of the coming one. So death reigned from Adam to Moses. Verse 16. And the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one sin came the judgment. Remember we were talking about judgment and curse? And it's not God's will for you to be judged? Well, from one sin came the judgment, resulting in condemnation. But from many trespasses came the gift, resulting in justification. Check out verse 17. Since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Notice it does not say, in the life to come. In the future creation, in the new heaven and new earth that's coming. There, it'll happen. No, he says you reign in when? In life. That would be now. In life. Overflow, the grace, the gift of righteousness reigns in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So the origin of sickness, in fact, um, let's go, before we finish reading, let's go to uh, chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The pay of sin. In fact, the Good News Bible says for sin pays its wages. Death. Did you know it pays to sin? Just not what you want to pay. There's wages attached to it. The wages of sin is death. Death. And what is in part of death? Sickness. Right? Disease. Pain is all a part of death. Tumors and cancer. Miscarriages. All of those things are a part of that. And so, those things aren't coming from the Lord. Obviously, sin, sickness has come. It says here in in chapter 5, it says death came from sin. Well, sickness came from sin then. Sin and death. You know I said before sickness is just and poverty are lesser forms sickness and poverty are lesser forms of death If you have enough poverty you will die You have enough sickness you'll die So they're just lesser forms of it Death comes from sin so to say that sickness and death are the will of God is to say that sin is the will of God Sickness comes from death to say that sickness is the will of God is to say that sin is the will of God. Because sickness comes from sin. Original sin. Anything that is the product of sin cannot be the will of God. In fact, in James, maybe you could put that up on the, on the screen in the ESV. <clears throat> James chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. It says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So here we have forgiveness and healing are the will of God. Forgiveness and healing are god's will what are we on number five reason number five and we're looking at the where did sickness come from the origin of sickness was sin let's go to reason number six why we believe that healing is always the will of god for everyone is because sickness is a work of the devil sickness is a product of the devil Let's go to Job chapter 2. Job 2 and verse 7. So Satan left the Lord's presence and infected Job with incurable boils from the sole of his foot to the top of his head. Who did it? Satan did it. Oh, not God? No. It says Satan did this. He went out and did this. Satan left the Lord's presence. This was a work of Satan that Job is experiencing. And the tragedy of it was that he didn't realize, he had no clue it was the devil. He thought it was the Lord. And in the next couple verses, you see that you know his wife comes along and says, man, why don't you just curse God and die? And he responds in verse 10 with this. He says, you speak as a foolish woman speaks, he told her. Should we accept only good from God and not adversity? See, he thinks it's from God. He's not blaming God. He's not sitting here in anger at God, not yet. He gets there eventually and then has to repent. But at this point, he is still, um, has not sinned because the next line says that, you know, in this, he hadn't sinned in what he said. However, he doesn't know. He can't read the book of Job like you and I can and see who was the guy doing this, right? You and I have a huge advantage over him. And so we can look in here and see all kinds of examples. But Job, he thinks God is doing this to him. But it clearly tells us here, no, Satan did it. Let's go to Psalms 41. We are looking at reason number 6. And that is, sickness is a work of the devil. (coughs) Psalms 41, um, verse 8 in the New King James, if you put it up. So here we see, it says... Well, here here we go. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. It's going to be the end of him. An evil... what kind of disease? A good disease? A very good disease. (laughs) A holy disease. Doesn't that just sound so dumb? Yeah, it does. An evil disease. Well, some translations... Say it a little differently. This word for evil is the word belial. Belial in the, in the Hebrew. Or belial some people say. I'll just say belial. And belial means this. It means um, worthless, godless, lawless. It typifies all that's evil. That's what, how belial is used in Scripture. And it's also used to refer to Satan. Even in the New Testament, in in, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 15 says, what agreement does Christ have with Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And making the distinction between Christ and the adversary. Belial, he's he's worthless, he's godless, he's lawless. And uh, Psalms, our verse that we had, Psalms 41, verse 8, the TS 2009 translation says this, says, a matter of Belial is poured out on him. A matter of Belial. Or a, an evil disease, as that translation said. Or, the word matter is actually word. It means word. A word of Belial is poured out on him. So, Belial being the devil. In fact, I'll give you a couple more scriptures just showing you that it's demonic. It's not godly. Um, in Nahum chapter 1, and verse 11, again in the 2009 translation. From you came forth one who plots evil against the Lord. Listen to this. A counselor of Belial. Or the ISV says it this way. A demonic counselor. He's talking about Nineveh. And the judgment that's coming to Nineveh. And out of you has come this demonic counselor. Counselor of Belial. Belial. The chapter, uh, in verse 15 then it says, See on the mountains the feet of Him who brings good news, who proclaims peace. O Judah, celebrate your festivals, perform your vows, for Belial shall no more pass through you. He has been cut off completely. So Belial, I'm reading all that so you understand that Belial, this disease of Belial, didn't say disease from the Lord, <laughs> but a disease from the enemy. Sickness is a work of Satan. It's an evil thing. Is there such a thing as a holy disease? Remember, don't call what's evil good. I mean, what if, you know, you walk up to someone and, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm, I'm doing some evil. But it's all good. It's just silly, isn't it? It's just It's... Not logic. So let's not call evil good. Sickness is a work of the devil. Let's go to Luke chapter 13. We'll see this in Jesus' ministry. Chapter 13 verse 10 of Luke. As he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, a woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit. Or had a spirit of disability or infirmity, is how some translations say it. For over 18 years, she was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, He called out to her, Woman, you are free of your disability. Then He laid His hands on her, and instantly she was restored and began to glorify God. Now, she glorified God for the healing or the sickness? For the Which one brought glory to the Lord? The healing. The healing. The healing. Verse 14 But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, responded by telling the crowd, There are six days when work should be done. Therefore, come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, Hypocrites, doesn't each one of you untie his ox or donkey from the feeding trough on the Sabbath and lead it to water? Satan has bound this woman. Who did? Satan. Satan. Belial. Satan has bound this woman. Not a work of God. Satan has bound this woman. A daughter of Abraham for 18 years. You know, sickness is satanic bondage. Jesus only said what He heard the Father say, right? Now, don't we have scripture after scripture that he says that himself? I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I hear my father or see my father do. So, what did Jesus say about her? Let's see. So, he said, Satan bound the woman for 18 years. Now, here's what he says Shouldn't she be untied from this bondage? So, if he's only saying what he hears the father say, the father's thoughts about this are, Shouldn't she be loosed? Shouldn't she be free of this, this oppression, this bondage, this binding by the enemy? It's always His will to heal. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. Acts 10.38 10, Now, this is being written, again by Dr. Luke, the Apostle Luke, or Disciple Luke. No, he wasn't either one of those. Man of God, Luke, let's call him. Yeah. And he is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says in verse 38. How that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He did what? He anointed him. He anointed him. He anointed him with what? Well, it tells us here, with the Holy Spirit and with power. Two two separate things. The Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing bad. Oh, no, no. How he went about doing good. Doing good. And what was part of the doing good? It goes, curing all who were under the tyranny of the devil. Or oppression of the devil. So he went about doing good and healing all. So if He only did what He saw the Father do, He is very clearly demonstrating the will of the Father in the earth. And nowhere in Scripture, nowhere did Jesus ever tell someone it's not His will to heal you. But yet, preachers all over the world lie to their people constantly saying that sometimes God will make you sick. It's for His sovereign glory somehow. That's saying that sin is for His sovereign glory somehow. I mean, let's just twist it in the same way. Does your testimony bring glory to God? Yes. Is your testimony because you had first sinned? Yeah. I mean, I sinned. I was a sinner. He saved me. That's my testimony. So does that mean the sin brings Him glory? No. Him rescuing someone who desperately needed rescued brings Him glory the sin is not his will well the sickness is not his will sure he may be glorified because I'm healed or because I was full of the fruit of the spirit during that sickness but it wasn't the sickness that he was giving to the individual to glorify him in fact let's go I wasn't planning on going here but we're going John 9 so Jesus went about doing good healing all who were oppressed This shows us what God's will is really clearly. In John chapter 9, here's one of these questions that people have. And one of the scriptures that people will go to when they think that, well, maybe the sickness was for God's glory. So here in uh, verse 1, I'll begin. As he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. Do you guys have the... L-S-V, the C-E-V, or the Young Living Translation back there? Okay, get the Young Living um, ready for us. So as he's passing by, he saw a man blind from birth, so it's been a long time. Right? Incurable. It's, he's not, you know, this is just what he's used to. It's permanent. His disciples questioned him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Well, that's a question we've all asked ourselves probably, right? Why did this sickness come? Why this? Was it because I opened the door somewhere? That's how we would say it. Maybe we wouldn't say, who sinned? Did I sin? You know, that's a question, a legitimate question. And so he answers that question in verse 3. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He's answered their question. Their question was, who sinned? The man in the womb, I guess? Because he was born blind. So they thought that you could commit a sin even as it in a baby in the womb. And, or was it the parents? Something the parents did. That, that sin that caused this blindness to come to this man. And Jesus says, neither one. Oh, what else does he say? He says, yet moreover, I'm going to read you the right translation, yet moreover that God's works might be displayed in him, I must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. A lot of the new translations are just really poor right here. They understand a few things about the Greek. It doesn't have commas and punctuation like what we have it in periods and things like we have in the English language. So when you see um, question marks, when you see exclamation marks, when you see commas, that is our translators putting them where they believed they were supposed to go. It's not there in the original. So just because you see a comma there, that, that wasn't there. Okay? They're putting it there. So right here, let's back up, put it up in the Young's Living. Um, let's go to verse 3. They ask, who sinned? Jesus answered, if you look at the screen, neither did this one sin nor his parents, but, or the word is moreover, or so that, or, but a lot of translations will say, this came about so that. They'll add that in there, but it's not there. So that the works of God may be manifest... So remember, neither one sinned. He answered the question. You put a period right there. Not a comma. Neither. Now he's saying more. He's adding to what they did not ask. So that the works of God may be manifest in him... Let's see the next verse. It behooveth me... I like that, behooveth. It behooveth me to be working the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night doth come when no one is able to work. So do you see here how the enemy has twisted this so much? A lot of the modern translations have have, um, tried to make sense of this. And they say, well, the guy was sick so that God would be glorified in the healing. No, that's God and the devil working together. That's not what's going on here. He's walking by and they're saying, hey, who, who sinned? that guy or his parents and Jesus goes neither one of them however you know what because we were sent here to be doing his work let's go heal him and glorify the father that's how we would say it today so does he receive glory from healing yes yes absolutely yes so number six was that sickness is a work of the devil we looked at a number of scriptures there that talk about it being a work of Satan. So I'm going to review just very quickly the uh, worship team. You can come and take your place if you'd like. Reason number three. Healing is always the will of God for everyone. It is because of God's original creation. God's original creation. Reason number four. That we believe healing is for today is that heaven and the new creation that He's going to create are completely void of sickness or disease. Just like the original will of God. Reason number five, that healing is always the will of God, is look at the origin of sickness. It comes from sin. Is sin the will of God? No. Then sickness cannot be the will of God. And reason number six, that healing is the will of God, is because sickness is a work of the devil. And so that's self-explanatory, right? Not of God. Work of God. A work of the devil. I'm going to encourage you. Don't take my word for anything of this. Be a student of the Word. Study in your Bible. Find, you know, think it out. Play these things out. Find the Scriptures. Don't go by circumstances. We can all find circumstances that do not line up with the Word. We can find circumstances that people are still believing for the complete manifestation of what God has promised. So let's not look at circumstances to determine whether or not something is the Lord. Instead, let's be believers of His Word, believers of His promise, and be students of the Word and say, here's where we find our answers. Here is where, yeah, maybe we can't answer that question. We don't know the answer to that question, but we know He said this over here. And it has to line up. It has to work and fit together. And so, be students of the Word. And don't just take my word for it. Talk to the Lord about it. Spend time in prayer on it. Go back, listen to the message. Be students of it. Alright? Alright, let's stand up. We're going to sing and worship. He is worthy of our praise. Father, we look to You. You are our source. We recognize You as such a good, good God. We bless You, Father. Father, I ask You tonight that You would illuminate, shine light within us with new and fresh revelation, Father, that You continue to teach and show us Your goodness. Father, we consecrate, we set ourselves apart for your service, to bring you glory, to do your will, to be your hands and feet. I thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit that you've given to us in and on us. And I just ask you, Father, for a fresh infilling of your Spirit on each person right now. Father, that Your Spirit comes upon us and that You enable us to carry out Your plan and Your will in this season and hour that we're in. Father, I thank You for restoring. Restoring the things that have been stolen. Father, I thank You for restoring to our nation integrity and righteousness. Lord, I ask You to restore back to the foundations that this nation was built on. You Lord, to just stir mightily in your people across the land that they rise up as one man, that they rise up and, and walk in righteousness and influence righteousness and change our communities and culture around us to reflect a culture that honors you, Lord. Thank you for your grace upon grace that's been given to us. Thank you that you've opened up the doors of heaven, that we can come to you freely and boldly. Father, that in the moment where we have need or where we have need mercy or where we need help, we can come right to your throne. Thank you for that. You are so awesome. You are so good. Yes.
1: So good.
0: We bless you, Lord. So So here's your homework for this week. Go show the goodness of God to somebody. They don't have to do it back to you. They don't even have to recognize it's from God. But show the goodness of God to someone this week. Or a whole bunch of people. That's good too. All right. one way we love God is by and showing the goodness of God to one another. So everyone's invited. We'll have a time of fellowship downstairs as well.
2: The word family. Look at this. This is wonderful. Wow. Amen. <laughs> it's so great to be here. Family, just loving family. It's the best thing in the whole world. You know, there's a story in Chronicles. If you didn't, if it was not written, you almost wouldn't believe it. It is so fabulous. In chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat. He loved the Lord. And one day, this great big multitude of enemies started marching against him. And it said in verse 2, he set his face to seek the Lord. And he humbled himself with fasting. Do you know that fasting humbles you? And he worshiped the Lord. Three great things when you don't know what to do. And that's exactly what he did. He said, this multitude is way too big than us little family, our little family, you know, the in Jerusalem. He didn't know what to do. I love verse 9. It says, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or the pestilence, or famine, or plague, we stand before this house. We stand in before this house and in thy presence. For thy name is in this house, and we cry unto you in our affliction, then thou will hear and help. Well, this is your house. So you can be in your house, in your house, and do that. Amen. <laughs> anytime you need. He says, we don't have any might against this great company that comes against us, and then something beautiful. But our eyes are ever upon you. Oh, You know, if you want to get God's attention in the midst of any trial or tribulation. Second Chronicles chapter 20 is your chapter in the Bible. So exactly what he did. A prophet came up and said, King Jehoshaphat, don't be afraid or dismayed by the reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but mine, saith the Lord. Now he said something else next which will catch your, catch your ear. He says tomorrow you go down to the enemy see he doesn't leave us out we got something to do 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 you see what i'm saying he said the battle's mine but you go (laughs) glory to god you shall not need to fight this battle set yourself stand still and see the salvation of the lord fear not or don't be dismayed Go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. How many of you want the Lord, the knowing that the Lord is with you? Look what he did in verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed his head, his face to the ground, and he worshiped the Lord because he believed the word of the Lord. He put faith in that word, right? So he worshiped him. Then all the, all the people just stood up and they praised the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. There is just something about a loud voice. And they rose up early. And he said, believe God. Believe him. Be established. Establish your heart. Now here comes the best part in verse 21 king Jehoshaphat appointed singers everybody say singers. Sing. singers singers little teenage girl singers like right here singers right just get a picture because they love to sing and he put them in front of the mighty men of god <laughs> them the singers think about the picture he put the singers who chose to praise the lord before the battle even began in front of the mighty warriors now that's trusting the word of the lord that's trusting the word so when they began to sing and give praise to the lord the lord set ambushes against the enemy just as he promised he would do he said the battle's mine just go And I'll fight your battle for you and that's exactly what he did he's true to his word always and it took a long time for them to get all the spoils but I love this too in verse 27 they returned every man to Jerusalem and when they did they went with great joy for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies glory to God do you think singing praises is important? Do you think it doesn't matter who it is that's praising and singing the Lord? Does that get God's attention? Let's all stand up together and let, let's get God's attention tonight. He is so worthy of our praise. The name above all names Jesus. every knee has to bow at the name of Jesus every demon in hell has to Jesus. bow at the name of Jesus all symptoms bow at the name of Jesus all lack bow at the name of Jesus relationships bow at the name of Jesus Jesus Christ mighty in battle for you Father we just thank you for Jesus your precious son given to every human being on the face of the earth whosoever believes on the name of Jesus will be saved call upon the name of Jesus in every situation it brings him in it give him your praise and your worship give him your praise he inhabits the praises of his people there's so much supernatural power in the praise and worshiping of a child of God. Father, we thank you for this. We give you all the glory and all the praise. You are such a good father, faithful in all your ways. We thank you. Well, this is such a beautiful family here. Turn to someone and say, Jesus is Lord of my life. How about you?
1: Jesus is.
3: Well, good evening, everyone. You know, I just really felt to... Um, oh, there went the bullet. To encourage you as we were worshiping that it's great to come together and worship corporately, but we need to take this into your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all throughout the week. You need to remember that freedom is ours when we call on His name, that rise, your shackles are no more. So like when you're facing situations... You know, come here and praise the Lord together. Yes, let's do that. Do it through the week. Do it in the situation because that's where you're going to have breakthrough when you take it there. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everyone, and we'd like to welcome any first-time guests that are with us tonight. If you're here for the first time, can you raise your hand so we can recognize you? All right. We're all family. Well, let me encourage you tonight to put your trust in the Lord. In particular, trust him to pour out his goodness upon you. You know, in Psalms, he said, it says here, uh, Psalms 31, 19 says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. You know, it's not stored up to sit on a shelf and look pretty. It's stored up so he can pour it out on you. Like, that's his heart. He really, he wants abundance for you. He wants goodness for you. And, you know, when we return the tithe to him, that gives him an access point. Um, Psalms 81. I'm not in Psalms 81. All right. Psalms 81, verse 16 says this, but he would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. I look at that and I says, man, the Lord knows that Ritz crackers and honey go together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, he would feed you with, with good stuff, with the best. He wants the good stuff for you. But if you want to be fed honey from the rock, you've got to trust him. You know, it says he would. Like, you got to put yourself in a position where he could do that for you. you got to give him access and put the ball in his court by acting on his word, by trusting him. Well, that's what we do when we tithe. We, um, it says that, you know, return the tithe to the Lord because it's his, and Malachi reads that way. And then he says, and then, you know, see if I won't pour out the blessings, open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon you and rebuke the devourer. So let's trust him that he can do this. And another thing I saw in this psalm verse here says, honey from the rock. Okay, an impossibility. Does honey come from a rock? No, no, but he can do it. So no matter what you're facing financially, no matter um, how tight you are, what problem you're up against, he can give you goodness. He can pour out his goodness upon you and and do that financial miracle no matter how bleak, how impossible it may seem. So let's trust him to be good because he is. All right, take a hold of your tie. Let's pray over it. Father, we're so grateful to you and we're so thankful in the way that you provide for us time and time again that we can just trust you and rely on you. And so we just present you the tithe. We ask you to bless it. We thank you for your promises and we thank you that every need is met according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets and the people will give to the Lord. All right, I was told there is a video that is going to play at this
1: time have you ever had trouble trusting God especially in moments of crisis have you ever had the thought I wonder if God is even listening or I hope I did everything right so that God will help me these were things I struggled with my name is Kurt Owen for years I struggled in my walk of faith until I began to get a genuine revelation of how God actually saw me I'm so excited to be at Church of the Word. We're going to be talking about these things at the Knowing and Believing God Conference. And I encourage you, if this has ever been a challenge for you, please come. Not only that, reach out to the people that think of Jesus as a don't do that Jesus. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. People that have been struggling with doing the will of God for their life because they wondered what it would mean. This conference will help solve those issues because we're going to see how God actually feels about you. And really, this is for every believer because it's amazing how the devil tries to steal from us a revelation of exactly how much God loves us and that, that God is angry with us. That is simply just not true, and I'm going to prove it to you scripturally. Uh, I'm so excited about this. Pastor Jen and Sidney Ropp have been tremendous friends of ours for years, and we are excited about this change in your life, in your church, and in your community. I'll see you then. Remember, Jesus is risen. Victory is assured.
0: So bring your friends, bring your family, bring your enemies, bring them all. And um, to the Love of God conference, I mean, especially if they're your enemies, they need some love of God, right? So bring them all, and um, we're going to believe that a new revelation, fresh revelation of the goodness of God will impact not only them, but you too. You know, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, not His badness. And so, because He is good, He's good in every way, And, and if we get a greater revelation of His love for us, I think we'll be more effective as his ambassadors. I have some uh, voter guides up here, so if you need one, you can come up and grab it here or down in the lobby at the front door. So just a reminder that you have, I think the 19th is the deadline to register to vote. So make sure you get registered on Monday, not a day later, and so that you can take a part in privilege that we have in this country to vote before I get into some of the other things here I wanted to quickly um, I routinely in the mail get thank you cards from the missionaries around the world that we support and monthly as we take the offering and send it to them um, you know they they send the thank you you guys don't see it though right and so I see it and know it. And so today I opened up the mail. There was two of them in there. So I thought I'd just bring them and, um, and read them to you. The first one is from Children's Rescue Initiative. It says, Dear Church of the Word International, thank you for your support of our missions to rescue children from slavery. Your donation helps us care for children coming out of human trafficking by giving the children medicine, food, clothing, and education. Their lives are now filled with hope and changed forever. Thank you, C-R-I. And then I have uh, a thank you birth announcement from Sky and Noel from their little one that they've just had, and some of you had sent them gifts, and so they wanted to say thank you. I also have received a message from uh, Stephen and Jana and Mirabella. Somebody had just gave them a real sizable donation in the last missions offering, and so they were reaching out with a special thanks uh, for that. You know, those kind of things, the enabling the work of the Lord around the world, is it's a responsibility, it's a privilege, right? That we get to be a part of something, even though we're not physically there. And the Lord considers it to your account. When you help send somebody, you know, Jesus said that the sender is not, or the uh, messenger, the apostle, that's the word apostle, the messenger is not greater than the one who sent them. The missionary isn't greater than the one who's enabling them. And so in the kingdom, there, it's, you're hooked up in ways that we don't see always in the natural realm. So I just encourage you with that. All right, one more thing, and this one's fun. Um, our foundations class that just graduated, would you please stand to your feet and let everyone inspect you? <laughs> our foundations class, all right. We've, we've got more, there's three of them. Where's the other one? Do, oh, maybe they're down with the children, okay. All right, Elizabeth was uh, a part of the group and um, and Jim, and he's out on our, our safety team. So... Um, You can be seated. They have just gone through our Foundations class, and you say, well, what is Foundations class? It's something that we would like anyone that's new to our church, you know, if you've been coming here within the last year, and and you're fairly new here, we would like for you to go through it. And what Foundations class is, is simply going over the foundations that you need in your Christian life to be successful. So we start real simple and basic with Salvation. Salvation. And then we go from there. We talk about body life and your place in the church and even how to leave the church if you want to leave. And um, we talk about God having a place for you. And so tonight we finish that up. Josh, if you would stand up and wave at everyone. Josh was uh, teaching our foundations class and um, will again. And um, so if you would like to sign up for that uh, well, maybe you've, maybe you've been here since, you know, the great flood and uh, a long time, okay? Maybe you've been here for a long time. And you say, well, I'd like to go through that. Well, you're welcome to. It's nine lessons, I believe. Is that correct? And um, we meet before the service at 5 p.m. And, but you'd have to sign up for it. And you can do that in the lobby on the table in the back.